Hello and welcome to Jetavanaram Buddhist Monastery. Today we bring you the second episode of a brand new series of Dhamma Talks. For those of you who joined us last week, you will know that this is a new series of talks whose purpose it is to bring to you Buddhist philosophy in perhaps a novel and maybe a slightly different approach to what you may have come across before in your endeavors through the myriad of various talks and sermons, books, scriptures and so on that you may have gone through in your study or discovery of what Buddhism is. In last week's talk, I asked you to consider one simple but very important question. A lot of the time we get ourselves far too busy in trying to understand what something is. But sometimes, if we just take a step back and ask ourselves why we are interested in that something in the first place, then our entire approach to the study of it may be different, may take a whole new path. So, in last week's talk, I invited you to consider rather than what Buddhism is, why Buddhism. We discussed that instead of studying and discussing Buddhism as a religion, I wanted to propose to you and introduce Buddhist philosophy to you. Because that is what changed my life. So, in some ways, you could consider that this series of talks to be my journey through Buddhist philosophy. What I discovered, what I encountered in my journey of somewhat, some might call an adventure. Because in some senses and on reflection, it truly was an adventure. It seems less so today, but as I first started this journey, it truly did feel like an adventure. To embark on something completely new, something that I didn't know much about, but something that had piqued my interest. And there was always a question within me, a burning problem within me, as I believe 
may be true for most of you. This fundamental desire to be happy. It's almost like we are instinctively driven to whatever it is that gives us fulfillment, satisfaction and happiness. And it is that very drive that I felt within me that has got me this far. So, today, let us take one step further forward as we continue on our journey together in this new series. As we continue to discuss Buddhist philosophy, the teaching of the Buddha. Now, you remember, I promised you last week, that rather than including much of the preamble that usually surrounds a Dhamma talk such as this, I will restrict myself and confine myself to merely two things, and that is the veneration of the Lord Buddha at the beginning and the merit transfer right at the end. So I kept my word last week, and I will do so this week as well. The reason for this is, yet again, I want to present to you that Buddhist philosophy is a lot more something that appeals to the intellect, something that is to be understood through intelligence, through insight, and through wisdom, and perhaps less so practices, performances, rituals, and so on. I'm not saying it is entirely void of it, and I don't think it should be or needs to be, but that is not what got me interested in Buddhist philosophy. So, as I said, this is more about my journey through life and trying to understand myself and my life and the things that happen around me and how do I achieve an unending, a never-ending, how do I discover a never-ending source of happiness and how I was able to do that through Buddhist philosophy. So, let's get to that and before I do so, I will make my veneration to the Lord Buddha and we will then begin. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Let him go. That will be a very familiar phrase. For many 
students of Buddhist teaching. Letting go. What is the importance of letting go? Should we let go? If we should, how do we? Is that what Buddhism is all about? Is that what the Buddha really talked about? Letting go? You'll agree with me that in pretty much every circle in which Buddhism and maybe even Buddhist philosophy is discussed, you will hear this phrase quite a lot, letting go. It is touted to be one of the axioms of Buddhism. It is considered to be the purpose of Buddhism, achieving the ability to let go. And in the name of letting go, you see all sorts of people, both clergy as well as lay, engaging in various practices, rituals, and lifestyles where they try to live a very simple life, a very modest life, a life of letting go. And letting go is also quite celebrated throughout the world. And I see there's a reason for that. It is because for someone who's able to live modestly, then there is little that is required for their sustenance. Which of course means in a world where people are after all sorts of things, and in a world where people believe success is in having much, I'd say most people, then to be in the presence of people or others who have little wants and needs is of course quite welcome, because then there is less competition. So if someone else wants less, it means I can have more. That is the natural follow-on from that. So, people who want less are celebrated. But what does the Buddha talk about? What is his approach to letting go? And is that what Buddhism is all about? Are there things that you have tried to let go in your life? So I want you to take a moment to think about this as we have this discussion. You know that the Prince Siddhartha, who later went on to become the Buddha, his story usually begins with his renunciation, that is letting go of his homely life, a life of luxury. He was a royal prince and he let go. He let go of his lay life, his, all his worldly riches and wealth and a royal family and his beautiful wife and newly born son, his best friend and a kingdom. And he went off into the woods. He shaved his head, donned a robe and lived a life of a mendicant going round begging for food in the search of awakening the truth. 
a spiritual awakening. So most of you are familiar with this story. And you'll be, it is perfectly fine if you ask me the question, is that what you have done as well, Bhante? Have you let go? And has letting go allowed you and helped you to achieve a happy life? Now, let's look at the pros side of this. Because a lot of people do try and let go. And they try and let go of a lot of material things around them. On the one hand, for someone who is able to let go of, say, their loved ones, for instance... That is one of the most difficult things to let go. It, the, one of the reasons that they are inclined to do that may be that people know fully well that over time all things decay and die. Right? And there's no surprise there. Everything that is with us and Around us today will one day pass away, will decay and die. So when loved ones are concerned, the same is inevitable. And we all know this. It is no surprise. We all know this. Maybe as very young children, there's one day in your life where you come across this reality, as I once did, I remember, not very fondly, because it was a shock to me when I first learned that my parents would pass away. But I'm sure most people, right from their early years, tend to pick up on this pretty soon. And so, you could be forgiven for thinking that letting go must be a path, if not the path, a path to achieving satisfaction, happiness and fulfillment because if eventually and inevitably all things have to pass away, decay and die then when the inevitable happens one day that must leave you quite distraught. So if you are able to let go of all of these things when you have the chance when it is your choice then surely you will be better for it. So, I think people think of letting go and they choose to let go and their choice is probably, if not all the time, most of the time, based on this one fact. And the same goes for any other material thing as well. So, say, your cars or other wealth, maybe money, property. And most other things, anything that you have acquired and built around you, eventually you will have to let go. Because either they will be taken away from you or you will be taken away from them. Right? One of these, these two things must happen and will happen. So, as I said, this may be one of the reasons why people are so focused on letting go and they consider that Buddhist philosophy 
The teaching of Buddhist philosophy is about letting go. So to try and live a very modest life with very little, and perhaps people believe that contentment is that. To have very little things around you, so some people may be even quite against the idea of having a pet, for instance. It's hard enough letting go of your children, letting go of your loved ones, your spouse, your, your parents, your friends. Some people wonder why it is that others consider even having a pet. Because once you have a pet and once you become quite fond of it, then eventually and inevitably the day is going to come where either it's going to be taken away from you or you are going to be taken away from it. So why bother? Why surround yourself with all these things when eventually you're going to have to let go? And isn't the objective, the purpose, the goal of Buddhism to try and work some magic, whatever that might be, so we'll leave that as a question mark for now, because all sorts of people do all sorts of things for that, but it is quite common to see that people strive to achieve the ability to let go of a material life that surrounds them. Now, before I say anything more on that particular topic, let me also point out that in Buddhist philosophy, there is the concept of what you give is what you get. And I don't think it is something that is confined to Buddhist philosophy. It is something that you come across in numerous religions and philosophies. But it is one that is regarded quite highly and on various and numerous occasions the Buddha talks about this. What you give is what you get. What goes around comes around. We've heard this in various other forms and contexts as well. So, Buddhism also refers to this as the as karma. Again, it is a word that may be alien to some of you, but I imagine it's a word that we have come to adopt into the English language. And today, I'd be surprised to find any good English dictionary that does not feature this word, karma. Which loosely interprets as what you do is what you get back. By extension, what you do unto others happens to you. Now, here's the thing. What's the connection between what I have just said and what we talked about earlier, this concept of letting go? Well, you see, the Buddha is renowned for his principles and his advice and instruction to not only monks but also others to try and be as generous as you can be to others. To give. Charity features quite heavily in Buddhist philosophy. 
So we are encouraged to give to others good and positive things. Food, shelter, clothing, medicines, other material things. And not just material things, but also things such as love, affection, caring, a smile, a, a helping hand in difficult times, empathy, all these things. Because what you give is what you get. So, now, here we have a dilemma. What is that? You might ask. Well, you see, a philosophy which encourages giving and charity so much, a philosophy in which generosity and charity is featured so highly, where people are encouraged to give, well, you can't stop getting back what you give. Because that is a principle. It's a fundamental principle. It's how the universe works. What you give is what you get. So, when you're encouraged to give, there's nothing you can do to not get back what you give. So, if you give food to those who need it, hardly will you have a day where you'll go hungry. If you give money, then usually you will hardly find yourself with a lot of month left at the end of the money. That's usually when people know that they're having a difficult time. When there's month left at the end of the money. And if you give a smile. Normally what do you get back? Obviously, you get back a smile. If you give encouraging words, then usually that is what you get back. So, you see, whatever you give, you get back. Now, with this principle of give and you shall get, and what you give is what you get, when you are encouraged to do that as much as you possibly can, here's the thing. If you keep on doing that, you're going to keep on getting. And how does that then fit, in, fit with the purpose that people claim to be of Buddhist philosophy? That is, to let go. Because when you give, you get, and then you're supposed to let go. You're supposed to live a very modest life. You're supposed to live a life of contentment and have little around you. You're supposed to, you're expected to have little food, little clothing, as in not little in size, but few. Be able to sustain yourself through few needs and wants. You're expected to live in a small hut, not a big mansion. And if you ever even think to have a car or a vehicle, then sometimes people might even frown upon you. But if you absolutely need one, then a bicycle is always favoured. 
in comparison to a car or a larger motor vehicle. Why? Because it's little. Few. Less than more. But then you're encouraged to give as much as you possibly can. But then we have a problem. A very interesting problem, don't you think? Where you're encouraged to keep on giving and when you give, you can't stop the receiving process because giving starts the receiving process and if you kick off a process, then you can't stop the outcome. Giving is the only part that is in your control. The rest happens somehow. All of that can be explained because there is logic, there is rhyme and reason. Things we'll talk about in future talks. But when you give, you get. Now, for someone who wishes to lead a life of few needs and wants, lead a very modest life, I think this poses a serious challenge. Don't you think? Because if you're going to keep on giving, you're going to keep on getting. And if your aim is to live with as little as possible, as few as possible, then that defeats the purpose. Because if you keep on giving, you keep on getting, and now you keep on being surrounded by things that you're trying to get rid of. Don't you see a problem? How do we explain that? And even the, even people with very little, hardly enough to get by, the Buddha still encourages them to give. So, how can the Buddha be talking about two things which achieve ends which are at odds with each other? Personally, I have contention with that. Don't you? On the one hand, the Buddha is encouraging you to give, and on the one hand, he's supposedly asking you to live a life of very modest means. Live with as little as you possibly can. Sustain your life on as little as you possibly can. But then if you keep on giving, you keep on getting. So now that's a vicious cycle. If you look at it that way. Where do we go from there? I think this leaves a very interesting situation, position, for us to consider. The doctrine of give and you shall get is a fundamental universal principle and it is not something that the Buddha invented. You see, the Buddha never invented Buddhism or any of the things that he preached. He never invented any of those things. Unlike Thomas Alva Edison, who invented the light bulb, or Alexander Graham Bell, who invented the telephone, the Buddha did not invent Buddhist philosophy. He did not even invent Buddhism. It is not his invention, but rather, much like Christopher Columbus, 
who did not invent America, but rather discovered America. That is what the Buddha did. He discovered. So that is why I said right at the beginning, this is a journey of discovery. So what he discovered was that there's a fundamental principle that affects all of us. And that is, whatever it is that you want to receive, you must give. What you give is what you get. And if you give, you shall get. So that much, I don't think we have any problem with. If you want happiness in life, try and make as many people as possible happy. And that is what you want, isn't it? We discussed this in the previous talk. Everything we do in life is for one purpose. Although the things that we do are numerous and various, the intention behind all of this, the purpose, the ultimate goal behind all of this, is of course happiness. And that I think no one will deny. There's, you've never heard of someone who did anything because it makes them so unhappy. Everything is done with that intention, with that aim, with that goal. Whether that is yours or someone else's or humanity as a whole, people do things for happiness. So, if you give happiness, then naturally you get happiness. What you give is what you get. Now, the problem then we have is, what about that letting go? If letting go is what we are trying to achieve, and if that is the crux of Buddhist philosophy, if that seems to be the main purpose and aim and goal of Buddhist philosophy, that is entirely, seems to be, certainly seems to me, at odds with the first principle that we discussed a moment ago. So how do we reconcile this? So then, I think we have to ask ourselves the question again. Is Buddhism really about letting go? And I think it's a very interesting and important question because would you agree with me that most people perhaps even fear Buddhism? Buddhist philosophy or even listening to a Dharma talk just like the one you're listening to right now because people are worried that they may have to give up and let go a lot of the things that they have worked so hard in their lives to achieve. Think for a moment about some of the things that you have worked incredibly hard to achieve. Go back as far as you can remember to your childhood. Maybe it is your education. All those sleepless nights, all that hard work, all that homework, oh, <laughs> just the thought of it, right? All those punishments you had to endure and the staying after class, all those detentions, extra lessons, tuitions, all that hard work and labor that you had to put in to get the good grades that you earned for yourself and then eventually the education consequently the education that you earned out of it which today you are quite pleased about 
And following on from that, perhaps the work that you have managed to earn through the education that you gained, whatever profession you're in today, and however far you have been able to progress in your profession, all of that didn't come out of thin air. That was all hard work. Wouldn't you agree with me? And my life is no different. As I said, you know, Buddhist philosophy has completely been in line with my life. I wanted something that explained to me how I lived my life, how I live my life, and how I want to live my life. The beauty of Buddhist philosophy, as I have discovered, is that it explains it right to the T. In my life, I have worked very hard. I worked very hard in my lay life to achieve some of the things that I was able to. I was quite successful, if I may say so myself, to achieve some of the things that I did. I worked in a very respected profession as a banker. I was able to earn enough wealth and most things that people consider today a privilege, I was able to earn and build around me. And in addition to the material things, also a good, happy, loving family. All of that I was able to achieve through hard work. I think when it comes to material things, there's no end to some of the things that people would pursue in their life. And again, you can't blame them for that. I would never blame you for any efforts that you have made thus far to achieve some of the material things that you have in your life. Because you only did it for one reason. And that is because you believed with conviction. Tell me if I'm wrong. You worked hard on, these, on those things to achieve them because you thought and you believed that they were going to make you happy. And let's be honest, it certainly did seem like they made you happy. But the problem that we discussed last week is no matter what you have earned, what you have acquired, what you have accumulated through your hard work and labor, are of course things that can and most definitely will be taken away from you. So, when the inevitable happens, how do you face those situations? How do you remain and continue to be happy? This is a problem that I think still remains, no matter how much people have managed to build and develop and earn for themselves. So, why do I say that? It is simply to say that my life has simply been the perfect example of this. So, what is letting go then? And is Buddhism about letting go? And if Buddhism is about letting go, would you be in favor of that? As I said, most people are worried and they fear Buddhist philosophy because they think it is all about letting go. Letting go of what? Letting go of all the things that they have worked so hard to earn. So much so that 
listening to a talk or following what is taught as Buddhism gives one the feeling that all my life's hard work has been a complete and utter waste. And you'll agree with me that none of us want to feel like that. Regret, repentance is a terrible feeling, isn't it? We never want to feel like all the things that we've done has simply been a waste of time. We don't want to feel that way. We don't like that feeling. We like to feel that everything we've done has meant something to us or to others, at least. That it has all added up to something. It is meaningful. And so that is why I say, whatever it is you have worked hard in your life to achieve, and however much you have worked hard to achieve those things, I respect that. Because they were all done with good intention. Now, of course, you'll have to forgive me that I can only appreciate the things that you have done with good intention, both towards yourself and others. Not yourself or others, but yourself and others. Because to achieve what you want and to sacrifice the happiness of someone else's, that, of course, cannot be condoned. That is not how not only the Buddha, but any great philosopher, any good teacher, any good parent for that matter, or any good friend for that matter, would advise, I would recommend. So I have to be the same. I cannot condone anything that anyone has done for the sake of happiness, where it has been done, where the activity that was done was intentionally and deliberately harmful and injurious to others. But every other thing, anything that was done for your happiness and others' happiness and was done with good intention to cause no harm to others, you will never earn my reprimand for that. But instead, I respect that. Now, going back to our bone of contention, how do we make these two things reconcile? Which two things? On the one hand, we have the Buddha, who has repetitiously, throughout his life, in numerous sermons and talks given at various places to various people, encouraged giving and charity and generosity. Whereas on the other hand, it is widely believed that the Buddha's teaching, Buddhist philosophy, is about letting go. So here we have a fundamental problem where the two don't talk to each other because if you let go, or rather if you give, you're going to get. And if, let, if the objective of letting go is to have as little as you possibly can and getting rid of all the things that are around you to live a very simple and modest life, well, giving others, giving to others, defeats the purpose. Because every time you give, you're going to get. And that, what, that which you got, you're going to now have to get rid of. Because the purpose is to let go, isn't it? So, that's something we, know, we need to now reconcile. Is Buddhism about letting go, though? I'm going to argue that Buddhism 
is not about letting go. It certainly has not been like that. I've never certainly felt like that in my life. It has not been about letting go. Remember in my previous talk, I said you may have some questions about why I'm dressed like this, why I've shaved my head. I wasn't always like this. I had a full head of hair, thank you very much. These were all conscious choices. I had property to my name, enough wealth, a good job, a good wife, a good family. And, as I said, a lot of things that people consider a privilege, I had them at my disposal. Those were not things that I let go. I never let go of any of those things. What? Do you still have your wife with you? You might ask. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. For me, Buddhist philosophy has never been a doctrine of letting go. Well then, what has it been? For me, Buddhist philosophy has been a doctrine of realization. All I've done is I have tried to understand. I have attempted to realize. Make sense, to put it in the simplest of terms. Make sense. Make sense of life. Make sense of happiness. Understand what happiness truly means. What is the truth? Why is it that I go through life acquiring and accumulating all these things, but never I never have I felt content? I wanted to understand the reason behind that. I wanted to understand the truth behind that. My approach wasn't let me let go of everything and then let me go and find the truth. No. That was not what I did. But instead, what I did was I went looking for the truth. And in Buddhist philosophy, I have realized, I have managed to see the truth. I have managed to make sense of how I work, of how life works, of how happiness works, and why it was that all the things around me were never going to make me happy. Once I realized that, it didn't take me long, it didn't take a great deal of effort. As a matter of fact, it took me no effort at all to not really let go, but rather to let letting go simply happen naturally. Just like a tree full of leaves, when the autumn comes, it allows the leaves to fall quite gracefully. It doesn't hurt the tree, not one bit. It doesn't cry or weep. 
It's a very natural phenomenon. The tree doesn't regret or cry over it. Oh good heavens, what happened? What has happened to all these leaves that have so long been part of me? No. It is not a problem. It is not a cause of pain to the tree when the leaves fall in the autumn. However, if you try and pluck those leaves out of season, if you try and forcefully pluck out those leaves, then it's a different story. Parts of the tree may even start to wither. You'll start to see sap flowing out of the new wound from where you have just broken the leaf. But when it's a very natural process, then no one's hurt, no one's in pain, and it just feels so natural. So, what is the long and short of this? Here's what I propose to you. I propose to you, Buddhism is not about letting go. Don't let go. I'll be as daring to say, don't let go. It is not letting go that you need to master through Buddhist philosophy. But instead, this is simply an effort to realize. Try and understand all the things that happen around you through the lens of Buddhist philosophy. And how you do that, we will continue to discuss through these talks. The intention of these talks is, as I said, to share with you how I have studied life, how I have begun to see life, and the change that it has impacted on me. My invitation to you is to do just that. So, before you do anything else, if you have now started to listen to these talks, and you have subscribed to the channel, you've clicked on that bell icon or whatever it is that you need to do these days to be informed of the latest and the greatest of everything that happens around you. Instead, what I suggest to you is just take your time. Don't rush. Because if you rush to let go, it will be painful. Because letting go is not what you need to do through Buddhism. You're doing something that, if you ask me, the Buddha never asked you to do. All you need to do is realize. And it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg to realize. You don't have to get rid of all the things that you have managed to earn and build and surround yourself with to realize. All you have to do is open your eyes and open your ears. Listen, pay attention. Learn, understand, analyze, apply. These are all mental activities. You only need the mind to do this. You don't need your arms and your legs. You don't need to give up your car or even your hopes of buying that brand new car that's going to come out in the fall next year. If that's what you have planned to do, then so be it. If you are in the middle of starting to raise a family, then so be it. 
if you're planning on getting that new promotion or applying for a new job or maybe migrating and maybe traveling the world, then so be it. If you have managed to build around you a successful business, an enterprise, if you have managed to accumulate a lot of wealth, if you are a very wealthy person, then so be it. None of these things are sins in Buddhist philosophy. None of these things are no-nos in Buddhist philosophy. Oh, no. That is the only thing that I'd say is no. What is that? That none of those things are no-nos. These are not the things that you need to try and fight. These are not things that you need to try and give up or let go. You don't need to let go of your children. You don't need to let go of your husband or your wife or your friends or your loved ones. If you've just started a, a new relationship, you don't need to let go of him or her. You don't need to do any of those things. All you need to do is realize. And to realize, all you need to do is to listen to these talks attentively and patiently, among other things. Analyze them. Allow, those, allow these words to reach you. And proactively take the time to consider the truth. If you believe that the truth exists in these words, who am I to say that this is all the truth? That is for you to verify for yourself. You can trust, but you must always verify. And that verification you must do for yourself. I can't do that on your behalf, of course. And no one else can do it on your behalf. That verification you must do. Because it is only tr through that you will be able to realize what is the truth and what does not stand the test of truth. Because in the end, it is the truth that will set you free. So, in the pursuit of happiness, you have done numerous and multiple and various things in your life. And perhaps this is a new page. You have subscribed to these talks now and you want to find what else might be available. What did the Buddha offer as a means to happiness? What is his philosophy that allows one to achieve happiness? And if you, are, you have now embarked on that journey, well then we are here to help you with that. Because it is a personal journey for me and it has been and it will be. So on this personal journey that I am on, I am willing and I am quite happy to share that with you. So as you go along, you don't need to give up anything, you don't need to let go of anything. You simply need to realize. And to realize, you simply need to pay attention, listen to these words, take in what this means to you and apply into your life. Try and make sense of it. Try and understand it. And just let time do its magic. That's all. That is what I did. And that is all I could ask of you. And no more. So on that note, we will conclude today's talk. And we look forward to sharing with you a little bit more on this journey of transformation that I have come along with you next week. So before we conclude, let us take a moment to transfer the merits. And in transferring these merits, what we do 
is we give grace, we pass our gratitude, we be thankful to all those who have great, taken great effort, who have gone to great depths and great trouble to produce these talks, to provide us with the technology and all the things that have been necessary to bring these talks to your living room. So let's do that and then conclude today's talk. <clears throat> Let us take a moment to transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, enchanting period, listening to the Dhamma talks and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who, since time immemorial, have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha, present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries, who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these merits to all the monks resident at this monastery, as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us also take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others, or inviting others to join them. May to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane. May by the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer the merits we have acquired to our devotees and friends of the monastery and for the sake of merits who continue to sustain the Mahasana. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery and to those of you who provide the Mahasanga with shelter, arms, robes and medicines as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well-wishes. May to the power of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble lightfall path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews and nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Samhita Let us also transfer merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may through the power of these merits they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our ancestors who have predeceased us, to all who have been our families and friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara and who have helped us, supported us, assisted us in every way they could. Let us also transmit this to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives and continue to do so to protect the peace and harmony of our nation and throughout the world. 
May all who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe. Rejoice in the merits we have acquired today. Let us also transmit it to all those who have lost their lives in natural calamities, such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides and pandemics, including the most recent and prevailing one, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been our friends and family to us, to us in our long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them. And may to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the warful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And finally, let us all resolve that may to the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired today, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahat and Mahansis on this blessed land. And finally, may to the power of all the merits we have acquired today, you and I, and everyone who has helped make this program a success, become an Arahat and Mahansi or an Arahat Mehnin Mahansi in this very life and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. So that was the end of the merit transfer. Yes, it was a tad bit on the long side, but all of which you will begin to understand eventually. It is a very graceful thing to do, and that is to be grateful to all who have helped us, all who have helped us be happy and remain happy in our lives. That is the purpose of this. All of the things that we have said, I will one day explain to you as we go along on this journey. So, as I said, realize and please be patient as we take one step at a time. So, looking forward to speaking to you again next week. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all.